Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new Pennywise podcast from Lee Enterprises. I'm your host, Terry Barr. We're talking, ah, this sounds so good to say it. We're talking about traveling today, but we're going to do a deep dive into what should you consider when traveling? Should you actually be thinking about your budget or uh, maybe the destination? We're going to find out what this is all about. Dia Adams is here. She is the Travel Rewards Analyst with Forbes Advisor. And Dia, so great to see you today. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. Talking about traveling, I think that just means so much to everybody right now. I mentioned budget or destination are those things we should try to consider when we're talking about traveling, especially as we move forward in uh, 2021? Um, well, certainly uh, you have to know what you need to spend, but when it comes to destination, I tend to think more about the experience. And a lot of times people tie themselves into thinking, I wanna go to the beach. And I think of, you know, for instance, the summertime, um, trips people in the east coast are thinking about you know your east coast beaches your you know virginia beach myrtle beach rehoboth delaware and i tend to think more about the experience because when you think about how much of the world is covered in water and how many beaches there are all over the place you can kind of construct a really interesting itinerary that will cost the same or maybe even less than your beach trip and I thought it would be a fun exercise to play with our current um, travel scenario. Because I know a lot of people are probably thinking about traveling over 4th of July. Oh, absolutely. So I pulled <laughs> the average cost of a trip over the 4th of July. This is a two-week trip. If you wanted to rent a two-bedroom condo in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, the average condo is going to run you $5,200. And these are all from Airbnb. So it's not like I'm, you know, cherry picking our numbers here. A two-week, and that's just the condo. Okay. Now, for $1,000 less, you could fly four people to Dubai and spend two weeks in Dubai. You have got to be kidding. No. Or you could fly four people to Barcelona, spend a week in Barcelona, take the train to Marseille, and spend a week in Marseille. <sighs> or there's more. You could fly <laughs> Chile. You could fly to Santiago, Chile, four people, and spend two weeks on Mini Del Mar, which I have done, gorgeous. And also it has the added advantage of being quote unquote winter in July. So the temperatures were in high 60s, low 70s, fantastic. Oh, that's beautiful. You need to go bargain, bargain, bargain basement, 3,600, which is two thirds the price of two weeks in Rehoboth. Yeah. You could go to Cartagena, Colombia. You can fly four people there, rent a car, and spend two weeks in a two-bedroom condo on the beach for $3,600. Oh my gosh. Okay. We're going to learn a lot more and how you get to these numbers and places as we go throughout sure. this podcast today. Absolutely. I just, I want to travel with you. That I'm putting that right out there now. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dia. I think one of the coolest things that I have seen in figuring out how to do this is you put together this incredible checklist do you mind if we go through that and kind of share your thoughts behind each of these steps of this checklist? I'd love to. Uh, okay. And the whole point of the exercise is there's two questions basically that you want to have answered at the, at the end of your exercise. And the first one is, what do you want to do? Meaning, do you want your trip 
to be jam packed? Do you want it to be, do you want to be rested? Do you want to spend time with your family? Like, what do you want to do? And then the second one, which I think is the most important one Mm -hmm. is how do you want to feel when you get home? Do you want to feel like you're suntanned and you are ready to go back into life because you've been, you know, laying on a beach for two weeks? Do you want to feel like you've learned something? Do you want to feel like you've spent time with your kids? And, you know, do you want to feel like, you know, you've eaten the world's best food? Like kind of picture in your head what you want to feel like or what you want to talk about when you get home. Okay. And then everything else that we're going to talk about is sort of how to help you reverse engineer to that, to that point. Ah. Uh, so the first thing you do is you have to deal with the things that don't move. And for a lot of people, that's when you can go. For a lot of people, for instance, if you're a family dealing with summer vacation, you have a limited work uh, vacation budget, you want to travel over a holiday. Yeah. So you kind of need to narrow down when you can go and how much flexibility you have within those states. Obviously, the more flexible you can be, the better your trip is going to be, or the more opportunities that you will have. Right, right. Because I know I've always noticed they ask when you're, you know, doing things on the computer, can you be flexible? So the the different sites obviously try to help you find those prices, but I know sometimes you just can't be flexible, but I love that idea. That's right. That's right. And also, if you can even be flexible, for instance, if you're going around a holiday, um, say like for instance, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. the most expensive day to travel Thanksgiving is Wednesday. If you could even travel Thursday morning, you might save some money. So you don't even have to be like hugely flexible, but if you can even be a little bit flexible, you'll have a better opportunity. Okay. So once you narrow that down, then that will help you narrow down options. Cause basically I start with the whole world and work my way down. <laughs> um, so once you've narrowed that down, say, you know, how long you want to go okay. and you want to go for a week. If you want to go for a week, Asia is probably too far. If you want to go for a week, um, maybe Southern South America is too far. You know, maybe the Middle East is too far. So it kind of helps you, you know, then again, narrow down your radius. Okay. If you're going for two weeks, I mean, in my opinion, you can pretty much get anywhere um, into it. If you're doing a two week trip, you can pretty much go anywhere. But then if you know how long you're going and you know when you're going, then the next thing you need to do is look at any climate limitations. For instance, if you want a beach trip and you want to travel in January, you probably don't want to go to Florida or Myrtle Beach. I mean, unless you go, unless you want to go off season, which is a different experience. But if you want to, you know, have your pina colada and you know a suntan, you know, you don't want to go to Myrtle Beach in January. Uh, so you kind of limit that way. Or also, you have to limit by things like, for instance, hurricane season. You need to make sure that you're traveling outside the band of, you know, for instance, September, you don't want to go to Florida. You don't want to go to, you know, Puerto Rico in August. You want to kind of keep an eye on where the um, hurricanes or other things like that might hit. Uh, And a great resource for that, by the way, is um, the National Oceanic uh, Administration, NOAA. Mm -hmm. They have a hurricane map and they actually, you can search it by week and it will show you where hurricanes are most active. Yes. In any particular time. So that's a very handy 
I recently sure. did, and I'd love to encourage people to go back and listen to a recent podcast with another one of our great analysts from Forbes Advisor talking about the hurricane season ahead, and it's going to be a busy one. So that is a great suggestion. It's just for your safety. It's not to scare anybody, but I know we're all excited about vacation, so <laughs> let's, let's not push so. it ahead. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Or of a shorthand, if you ever do want to go to the Caribbean desperately in hurricane season, A, B, C, Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao. They're both, uh, are there all three are far enough south that they're outside of the hurricane zone? Perfect. Navigate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. All right. The, Checklist next. Next is the experience questions. Um, do you want an active, active trip where you're exploring cities, visiting museums? Do you want a restful trip? Do you want to lay on the beach? You know, so get an idea in your head as to what kind of trip you want. And then with that in mind, do you want an urban trip? Do you want more of a like vacation-y holiday destination type trip? Do you want a theme park trip? Um, if you're doing two weeks, you could do all of those. <laughs> yeah. How much do you want to travel around? Do you just want to get somewhere and park? Or do you, are you comfortable moving every few days to add more destinations? A lot of people hit Europe in the old, um, what is it? If it's Tuesday, it must be Belgian with that whole, if they're going to Europe, they have to hit like 10 destinations, which I think is a terrible idea. Wow. You know, it's like be comfortable with what you're, you know, know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Once you get to there, think about the kind of lodging and um, daily experience you want to have. Do you want to have something luxurious? Do you want to be constantly pampered? Do you want spa days? Do you want, you know, private driver? Or do you want something more simple? You know, do you want self-catering? Do you want, you know, your own rental car, you know, public transportation? Kind of, you know, think about how you want that. And then once you go to that, think about if you're comfortable traveling to a region of the world that's less developed. Ah. Are you, for instance, comfortable traveling to somewhere like Thailand where, there's definitely tourist infrastructure, but it's not going to be the same as it is, say, in Europe, you know, so, you know, what are you comfortable with, what's your comfort level as far as the, how developed the nation is, and then even within the nation, there are certain destinations that are going to be more developed than others, so right. you, you want to think about that, mm -hmm. and then lastly, and this one is important, especially after 2020, are there any current events you need to keep an eye on, mm. um, Obviously, these days, we need to keep an eye on COVID rates. Uh, in the United States, we are, you know, busting at the seams to travel. We are all, you know, vaccinated, excited, ready to go. Right. There are a lot of places in the world that are still catching up to us. Mm -hmm. So, especially if you're traveling with kids, because a lot of kids under, you know, kids under 12 can't be vaccinated at all. And even the 12 to 16s are still, a lot of them in process, is a different calculation to travel somewhere that has a higher COVID risk than somewhere that has a lower COVID risk. So it's definitely, you want to keep an eye on the situation on the ground yeah. before you go. Okay. Wow. Now I know you're obviously you, you take a look at a lot of the travel award programs, any consideration when you put this in a checklist, should we add that to the checklist or does that just sort of depend? It, it definitely helps. Um, okay. And there are some people that will only go where their miles and points can take them. 
I tend to be much more of a, I use miles and points to supplement my channel. Um, I, you know, I'm an, I'm an addict, no matter if I have points or not, I'm going to go. It's just a matter <laughs> of I can travel in a, a better style, perhaps because I'm supplementing with miles and points. So that basically I would add them to my budget, to whatever my budget is. Say I have $2,500 plus a hundred thousand Hilton points. Basically they're just another currency that I would add to my budget when I'm looking at what I have to spend. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Thank you for making it that simple for all of us to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about all of us getting antsy now? And, and you mentioned 4th of July in particular. We know every holiday that we've seen um, since things are starting to open up, the airports, the train, everything's been much busier. When should we get ready and, and really think about doing this? When should we travel? Yesterday. <laughs> I agree. Um, I agree. <laughs> um, honestly, part of it's a comfort level when you're comfortable. And if you're traveling with younger kids, when you're comfortable with their level of comfort, when you're ready, I personally tend to plan further as well as sooner. I tend to have two trips working at the same time, maybe a short-term goal and a long-term goal. The great thing is that most of the major airlines, as long as you're not buying a, a, a basic economy ticket, as long as it's a regular economy ticket, mm -hmm. are instituting flexible schedule changes. So it's not, you're not as locked into, you know, whereas before COVID, even on a regular economy ticket, you could lose more than the value of the ticket if you needed to change it. Uh, you know, if you had a hundred dollar ticket to Florida, it was 150 to change, you know, it's crazy. So the airlines are really, and then most of them have made it permanent. They're waiving their change fees. That doesn't mean that you'll get a refund, but as far as at least needing to change your dates, change your destination, get a credit that you can use maybe for the next year, there's a lot more flexibility there. So that, that definitely helps with the comfort level, as long as you're not buying basic economy. At this point, we don't really recommend basic economy unless you're locked Absolutely. And also in, in case you don't need your seats together, like a family probably isn't the best choice for basic economy these days. The other thing to keep in mind these um, with the 2021 that's unique is that you may want to find your car before you find your airfare. Really? Because yes, at, okay. the, at the beginning of COVID, a number of the car rental companies were having huge cash flow problems. And in fact, Hertz declared bankruptcy. And what they did to overcome those cash flow problems was purge their fleets. So what happens is, you know, spring break 2021 came roaring down the pike and they were stunningly unprepared. <laughs> so we heard stories of Las Vegas, Orlando, LA, um, many destinations just have no cars whatsoever. Like just didn't have cars. And then either ones that did have cars, I um, was in Las Vegas in April. I booked my car in February. And between February and the time I left, the price doubled. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so what, you're, what you usually pay for a rental car may not be what you pay for a rental car this year. So you definitely might, you know, uh, want to lock in your rental car rates mm -hmm. before you start looking at your plane tickets because you might be in for a, a really surprise if you don't. Oh, that's brilliant. Wow. Incredible. And thank you again. Great information. Some of that we haven't heard about. So that's uh, 
really important. It's interesting too, to hear from you that you booked in February for months ahead. So you're doing yes. what you're telling us to do. So <laughs> exactly. I, love it. I booked a refundable ticket, flexible um, hotel accommodations, and you can always cancel. Um, well, not you can almost always cancel rental cars up to 24 hours. So yeah, that's a flexible trip. Perfect. Okay. So now I got to ask you, let me pick your brain just a little bit here and we'll have some fun with this. What sure. are some of your favorite destinations? or maybe experiences that you are looking at right now? Uh, it's so funny because this is where we could talk all day. Um, I decided to share a couple in the United States for people okay. that are kind of looking for um, things maybe that they hadn't thought of. And then I uh, decided to share a few in Europe because that's the place people ask me about the most it tends ah, to be Europe. Okay. So um, here in the States, um, the first place that I thought of was the inner Chesapeake Bay. A lot of East Coasters tend to head straight to the Atlantic, and the Chesapeake has hundreds of miles of shoreline up in between Virginia and Maryland that is just, they're just these wonderful little towns. There's some, um, oh. my favorite is called Solomon's, it's in Maryland, and it's half fishermen, crabmen that have lived there their whole lives, and half hipsters that own second homes. So you like at night, you can have like oysters and dollar beers for dinner. And then the next morning you can have like a vegan chai for breakfast because That's there's so it's, it's a, and, it, and it's, it's it tends to be pretty inexpensive and it's 90 minutes from Washington, DC. Um, it's probably three hours from Philly, maybe four from New York, but you go, you go in inward as opposed to going directly out to the ocean, but it's got, it's on the river out to the bay. So it still has that shore feel um, to it, but you're able to kind of cobble together a really cool experience um, for less than the beach will cost you. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And then the other one in the U the other one in the U.S. Um, I'm throwing out there for fall, and this is kind of a, really a wild card, is that a lot of people love to do like foliage trips, leaf peeping in the fall, and they tend to think of New England, they tend to think maybe of the upper Midwest, mm -hmm. the Ozarks, Arkansas. Oh. I know, exactly. Um, but it has some of the most wonderful leaf peeping, and the season tends to be a little bit um, later, so you can have a little bit more flexibility in when you do it. Um, but yeah, magnificent, uh, absolutely magnificent foliage in Arkansas. How about that? <laughs> and you just gave us an idea for sooner and later. So that's great exactly. for me. <laughs> and what do you exactly. have overseas? What are you checking out overseas in, right in now? In Europe, I, I, had to, I have a hundred, but I had to narrow them down to three. Two uh, that are kind of regular and one that's kind of, kind of a wild card. My first is a lot of people have an Italian dream. They have a dream of either uh, Tuscany, um, you know, that sort of under the Tuscan sun, eat, pray, love. You get, you know, all that stereotype. But Tuscany is really expensive. Mm. Lurgia is the Tuscan experience on a budget. And where Lurgia is located is that if you picture the Mediterranean going mm -hmm. like this and you're near France, you got Nice, Cannes, Monaco, and then as soon as you enter Italy, that's Lurgia. Ah. So you get both the Riviera experience there on the, you get the, the uh, promenade. And then as you go inward, you get the Tuscan experience. And the first time I went, there's this town called Dolce Aqua. Um, when I went there, the first thing I thought to myself is, oh my God, this looks like a Monet. It is a Monet. 
Monet actually lived in Dolce Aqua and a number of his paintings are of Dolce Aqua and towns around. So if you've ever wanted to step into a Monet, Lurgia is absolutely the place to go. Wow, okay. <laughs> so that's my, that's my first one. That's beautiful. Um, it, it is, and, and it's it's pretty much amazing year round because it's got that Mediterranean climate. So it, you know, and then if you wanted to go up into the mountains, even in the summer, it's not too hot. You've got the breezes, but even in the winter, it would still totally be doable. Wonderful okay. place. Second one is the Canary Islands. Oh, yes. Uh, the Canaries are another year round destination. Um, the Canaries are known in some places for having like the world's best weather. In most of the Canaries, it's sunny. 330 days of the year, I think. Oh, it's that's just day. awful, isn't it, Dee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's never really, like, it's never crazy hot. Uh, it's usually in that sort of 65, 85 band. Um, it's just, uh, it's owned by Spain. Uh, there are seven of them. Each one of them has a slightly different personality. There um, is a huge uh, Columbus story in the Canaries because basically when he left Spain, he did a stopover at the Canaries on his way to the New World. So the Gran Canaria actually has like a Columbus museum and there's like a huge like uh, explorer um, history. So you get some history, you get amazing beaches, uh, you get volcanoes, you get food that is both Spanish and then there's also a Cuban diaspora that settled in the Canaries, so you can get Cuban. And then the, Canary, the Canaries also have their own cuisine that is unique from both Spain and other immigrants. Um, and they're cheap. Um, you can pretty much get to the Canaries from anywhere in Europe on a budget airline. So all you have to do is basically get to Europe. You can fly there from London, you can fly there from Frankfurt, you can fly there from Madrid, and you can usually get there you know, pretty cheaply. And then, I've stayed there a number of times. I've never paid more than $500 for a two-bedroom oceanfront condo. Oh, my gosh. For a week. For a week. For a week. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The, I did July 4th there a few years ago, and I paid $350 a week for a one-bedroom oceanfront condo. Oh, that's incredible. Okay. Yeah. Give us number three. <laughs> Here's our wild card. This is our wild card. Oh, good. I love um, wild cards. A lot yes. of families are thinking about um, Disney right now. They're thinking about, you know, Disney World is reopening. Disneyland has just opened. My wild card is Disneyland Paris. Oh, okay. And here's why. Yeah, I, I know. I, I was expecting that look. I've, I've actually, I've been to every Disney park. And the Asian Disney parks are wonderful as well. But for the purposes of like a week-long trip, Disneyland Paris is about an hour outside of the city. There are two parks there. So it's not just, there's like a magic kingdom, but then there's also kind of like a quasi Hollywood studios kind of park. Um, wow. The castle is my favorite castle. Uh, there's their uh, Space Mountain is a Star Wars themed Space Mountain. Uh, the every, you know, all the characters are there. Most of the shows are in both uh, French and English. So you're not losing anything. Almost all the staff speaks English because they get so many British tourists. They have hotels on property. They had a marble themed hotel that just opened. So if you have, yeah, if you have, especially like you go, it's like a five-year-old boy's fantasy. I mean, it would be amazing. But the main thing is that an annual pass to Disneyland Paris is about $250. I am. Just let that soak in. That gets you two days yeah. at Disney World. I'm, or Disney I'm World. speechless. <laughs> Some of these deals are just unbelievable that you're telling us about. Yeah. Huh. And then 
you and then you're in Paris. So you can there um, oh. Disneyland Paris is directly in front of the RER station and you're at the Eiffel Tower in 45 minutes. Incredible. Dia, you've made me like think so much about traveling <laughs> in a whole different way. Thank you for the checklist and thank you for grabbing some uh, possible amazing destinations and those wild cards. Those sound <laughs> spectacular. Oh, I'm happy wow. to share. Yes. Well, happy travels to everyone and to you, Dia, because I know that you probably have travels ahead. And thank you for helping us get ready to get back out there too. This has been terrific. I'm glad to do it. Absolutely happy to share anytime. Oh, thank you so much. Again, that's Dia Adams and Dia is the Travel Rewards Analyst with Forbes Advisor. And I'm Terry Barr. Thanks for listening to your Pennywise podcast. And again, you can find any of these. If you've missed past ones, you can find these wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again, Dia.